0: Thankful for the awesome ministry that took place in Utah. God, we're thankful for the awesome ministry that took place here in our own halls. God, we ask that um, for all that was accomplished, that you would protect it, Lord, and that these kids and their parents would um, come to know you, would grow in their love of you, Lord, and that you would be glorified. And Lord, today, as we continue to, uh, to look at scripture, Lord, that we would be very attentive to your Holy Spirit, and that by your Spirit and by your Word, uh, that we would grow and mature uh, and be better able to handle uh, the rest of the week and everything that comes our way. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Uh, Joe and I were reflecting, uh, kind of reminiscing this week. Um, it was uh, back on uh, Becca and Casey's wedding, because that was a little over a year ago, and so we were just reflecting on that. and um neat wedding very good time uh you know had the the ceremony here and then there was a reception in bradshaw uh and at the reception they you know or yeah or the party afterwards right i mean they had food and then they had a dance and there was one part where um and i don't i don't know if it was like uh you know sometimes they'll have like the bridal party get up and dance or whatever it was but we but we were reflecting how uh at one point all the bridesmaids were dancing together right so you've got all these ladies kind of like in their mid-twenties or whatever, had circled up and were dancing together. And Joe and I were sitting there, and then we see our youngest get a running start and sprint in full bore and then just like body slide in amongst all these ladies and then proceed to just dance like he's getting tased for like the next 10, 15 minutes. And it was awesome. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, it was a sense of, I could never do that. <laughs> and who was kind of reflecting on it a little bit this week for, like, like why is that? Like, because, I mean, like, physically I can sprint and body slide into something, right? But there, there is something about complete inhibition, complete uninhibitedness. Like, the, like, for me, the hang up would be the mental block. But I'm not sure that's a good thing, right? Because like in my old wise ways, I have developed a mental block that I'm not necessarily sure is good um, in, in all of this. We're working on a sermon series uh, in the book of Luke, um, and last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer. Um, Both Matthew and Luke record a version of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew records a longer version, so that tends to be the one that gets referenced the most. Um, But Luke has a version of it as well, too. So Luke chapter 11 verse 1 to 5 is what we looked at last week Uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples and he said to them when you pray say and, And then we have the what we have nicknamed the Lord's Prayer Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not to temptation. So that's Luke's account for it. And um, the Lord's Prayer has incredible value, both as something that we recite word for word, but it also even has value as what's called a pattern prayer, in that each um, line really kind of addresses uh, a different topic. And so you can actually take this pattern or these concepts and really build uh, another prayer um, off of that, using th- those ideas or, or those themes. So today I wanted to look at the verses immediately following, because Jesus rolls right into this. Um, And so actually for today, looking at verse 5, and then going down to verse 13. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is friend, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and seek uh, and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In the English, in the ESV, in the English Standard standard version it uses this word um, impudence or impudence um, which is a word I never use and I spent most of the week wondering if I even pronounced it right and then I had to google it and then I found out I was pronouncing it wrong and now I can't remember which one's right and which one's wrong all that to say I never use this word the NIV simply uses the word boldness that that's that's a pretty good word too Um, the Greek that gets translated for this is only used once in scripture, and this is the only place it gets used, Uh, but it's interesting because there is a lot of material on it. Um, but verse eight, I tell you, though, he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So what does that mean exactly? Because that, that's kind of a weird word. That Greek word also can be translated in this way. Insolence. Audacity, shameless, lack of sensitivity to what is proper, carelessness about the good opinion of others. I like that one, carelessness about the good opinion of others. Ignoring of convention. You know, when I first read this passage, I thought, hey, this is another passage and Jesus is telling us to really be persistent in prayer it was a little bit shocking to realize this passage has nothing to do with persistence. This is not about persistence. Um, Jesus does talk about persistence in prayer, but those are, are, are other passages, those are other stories, not here. This is all about boldness. This is all about audacity. This is all about carelessness about the good opinion of others. That, This is the kind of attitude that will just body slide into a group of of dancers and just go for it. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Um, It's been a long time since I've heard anyone talk about shameless prayers. Audacious prayers. Prayers that lack sensitivity to what is proper. Prayers that ignore convention. This is right, you know, the, the ladies gather to pray, and, 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 and one of the seasoned veteran prays, and, but she's read her Bible, and so she knows what this word means. And when she finishes, one of the, the new people turns to her and just says, I didn't know we could pray about that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that we were allowed to pray about that. I didn't know that, that we could actually approach God with stuff like that. To have an attitude in prayer that, that is in some ways, mirrors insolence, audacity, shameless. Lacks sensitivity to what is proper, ignoring of convention. You know, it's interesting because this kind of attitude can actually burn a lot of bridges in your personal life and in earthly relationships. And yet here Jesus commends it to us as an attitude for prayer. um as just kind of a quick aside right like there are many aspects to prayer. There are many kinds of prayer. There are many types of prayer. Um, in some regards, we approach God with freedom. Uh, in some regards, we approach God as friend. But yet we also approach God with fear and trembling and reverence be, because he is God. And yet at the same time, we are to, to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. And so that's even kind of the, the silly, ridiculous cares. And, and so I'm not trying to be overly simplistic or one-dimensional on this. But at the same time today, we are looking at a piece of scripture where Jesus tells a story about a guy who is bold and audacious and lacks any kind of sensitivity or awareness to what is proper, and Jesus says, be like that guy when you pray. Like, like here is the model for how you pray. The guy that is clueless as to, like, what's proper behavior. Impudence, boldness, audacity, shameless, whatever you want to call it, will not offend God. Right, it may offend man. Maybe who knows? But God is not offended by it. In, in, in fact, it almost, like He encourages it. Right, Proverbs eighteen five, great verse. God delights in the prayer of the upright. God enjoys your prayers. He enjoys them. Right. Uh, There's a story of Abraham. He's pleading with with God about the the city of Sodom. and, And there's this long, drawn out conversation. And Abraham begs God to spare the city if 50 righteous people can be found. And God says, all right. And then he's like, well, what about 40? Can we do 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? And he just and it's a really long, drawn out story. But he just works him down and Abraham just keeps pushing it. And God is gracious with him and agrees to all of it. What's the most ridiculous thing your child has ever asked of you? And were you offended? Right? I'm not even 45. My kids are already making claims on stuff for when I die. (laughs) Hey, Dad, when you die, can I have this? And sometimes it's not even the good stuff, right? Like it's a piece of junk. They're like, hey, when you die, can I have this $5 piece of junk? Can we slow it down? I'm not even 45. You want to talk about conversations that lack sensitivity to what is proper. Like, that's pretty close. But I'm not offended. I'm not. Like, they're my kids. I love them. Sometimes they say funny things. But I'm not offended by that. In fact, sometime, like, sometimes my kids will make requests of me that I am completely unable to fill. Like, just not a chance. And, like, I, I'm, honestly, I'm a little bit flattered. They think I can pull it off. Yeah, sure, let's buy mom a new car in the next two hours for her birthday. Brilliant plan. God's not offended. Maybe he's amused. Maybe he says yes. Maybe he says no. Maybe he says yes, just to see what you're going to do with it, right? And and in all of this, we're trusting that he has reasons for for how he responds or, or giving something but not others. But he's not offended. God is not offended by your bold, ridiculous prayers. There's another part that's amazing about God that we see in this story, and that is that there's no bad time. There's no bad timing for your prayer, right? Like, in in the story, the man goes to his his neighbor's house at midnight. The the guy is in bed. The door is locked. Like, like the kids are asleep, right? Like, from an earthly perspective, this is a super inconvenient time to ask anyone for anything. And, in fact, it really seems like Jesus is actually really trying to emphasize the point. Like, this is... Earthly, like, this is really, really inconvenient. Like, this is about the max inconvenient that, that you can get. And admittedly, like with men, there are bad times to ask for stuff, right? Like, there are times where you should just not be at knocking on your neighbor's door, asking for a handout. Bad timing. With God, there are no such limitations. Any time is an okay time to make your request. I used to think that it was kind of a pretty pathetic prayer when someone would not um, prepare for something, uh, you know, and then squander their time, and then when it was crunch time, right, like they would beg God for help, right? And maybe there is something to be said for good time management on our part, right? But, you know, like the kid who doesn't study for the test and then begs God for help, like, you know, granted he, he should use his time better, but the prayer itself is not an offense to God, Right, like that, maybe he gives the miracle, maybe he doesn't. But that last minute desperate prayer, whether or not you should have prepared better or not, whatever. But God is not offended by the timing and the inconvenient timing of your prayer. There are no bad times. There are no inconvenient times. Any time, any time is an okay time to bring that prayer before God. So pray your poorly timed prayers, God welcomes that. Now, here's the other thing that, that's, that's kind of mind-boggling about this and, and can actually be a little bit tough to wrestle with. But that is that we are given this really strong impression that there is nothing, nothing that is outside the power or even the willingness of God to give and to give completely. Verse 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be open. Then we have the example of the Father. And then last line, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In this section, there are no clauses. There are no like if-then statements. There are no um, you know, conditions that, that, that need to be met. In this story, it is ask, and you will get it. Seek, you will find it. Knock, it will be given to you. Everyone who asks receives. Right? And then if that isn't clear enough, then then Jesus goes on to tell the story about how God is basically just a way better father than anyone in the room. In in this story, in this example, God is strong enough, and he is, he is willing enough to grant any request Fully and completely. Now, some of you are probably like me, and you struggle with this a bit, right? Because you're like, well, then why do we have unanswered prayers? And, and why do bad things happen to good people? And, and what about the one who suffers cancer? And why do famines happen and injustice, right? Like, like basically just like why do bad things happen to Christians when we have verses like this? And and there is something to be said where we look to other scriptures that, that help us interpret the hard scriptures, right? As one small example. You know, James four tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. Alrighty. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Right? So in James there's this sense of like if your prayers are all about you and your personal passion or your personal money or your personal fame. Right, like God, God may not answer that prayer. Okay, so there are other verses that 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 talk about that. So I I I want to recognize that there is difficulty and sometimes we, we wrestle with that, but at the same time, don't let that overwhelm you and, and don't let that distract from what this passage is teaching us. Right? Because in this passage, the key lesson is that God has the power and the authority to answer all of your prayers and to do it completely. In fact, this gets reiterated in in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Let me read this to you slow. Now, him who is able to do far more, far more abundantly, right? Almost kind of redundant, right? Far more abundantly than all. That you could ask or, or, or think. Some, some translations will say imagine. So, and I can have a pretty vivid imagination at times, right? But whatever the capacity is for your imagination, God has capacity to do far more abundantly way beyond that. So even in your best imagination, you don't even get close to taxing the limits of what God is capable of doing. Like you're, just, you're not even there yet. Like you don't even you don't even see the finish line. This privilege, I will call it a privilege that Jesus is outlining here, to approach God with this kind of boldness is not based on friendship. It's not even based on lordship. It's based on sonship. Right? Because you are the sons and the daughters of God, you have this right, you have this privilege to approach God like this. And and God and, and Jesus. Right, verse 11, what father, this is, this is the illustration that he uses, what father among you, if, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to good gives, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is based on sonship. You don't earn this. You were granted this when you became a child of God. Another kind of aside on this, Um, some of you are perhaps familiar with prosperity gospel, right? So prosperity gospel, false gospel, basically said that God wants you to just be rich and happy and no problems and no suffering and big houses and best cars and and that kind of thing. Um, And and people who who kind of peddle in the prosperity gospel will take a verse like this, take it in isolation, you know, to to, to push the agenda, and then they ignore everything else that talks about hard times or difficulties or or persecution or, or that kind of thing but just what I want to remind us of is that their abuse of verses like this does not make this invalid, right? Don't make the mistake, because sometimes we do this, where we watch someone that will take a verse and run to it with the extreme, and so then as a response, we take it and we run to the other extreme, right? So one guy says, well, God will always give you The new car, if you just ask for it, right? So he has run to an extreme. The temptation is to run to the other extreme and say, well, look, even though we need a new car, I refuse to ever ask God about it because I don't want to be like them. So rather than staying in this balanced place of what does the verse say, we overreact by that guy by running to the far opposite extreme. And neither one is a good place. All of these verses remain 100% true. But sometimes we do have other verses to help us understand them better. So last idea I would leave with you, last challenge I would leave with you this morning, right? So God encourages us to pray these bold prayers, audacious prayers based on sonship we we are allowed to ask most anything anytime, right? He's not offended. We're trusting that God knows best, but just just full uninhibited mentality in coming to god with our prayers with that as a backdrop here's the question if you got everything everything that you had asked for in prayer from this last week who would benefit who would benefit right like if all of your prayers were answered would anyone other than you notice Right? Like like is, is this a sense where you know God shows up and says, Alright, all your prayers are answered, here's everything you prayed about, and your response is awesome. The food was blessed to my body. I still don't know what that means. Uh, and I had a safe drive home from work. That's what I got. Or did a famine cease? Did a neighbor come to know Christ? Did a war end? Right? Was a church planted? Did abortion end because of your prayers? These are uncomfortable questions. I'm not sure I would do well on that test. I I will own that. I need much bigger prayers. But people should notice when our prayers get answered. Someone other than us. People should notice when our prayers get answered. People's lives should be changed. Other than our own. When our prayers get answered. God should be worshipped. Churches should grow. Families should be reconciled. Divorce should go down. When our prayers get answered. Let's you and I commit to praying the audacious prayers. Amen. Heavenly Father. This is a remarkable and convicting piece of scripture today. Lord you call us to pray uninhibited prayers. Lord, some of us suffer from a mental block where we just were so limited by our own restrictions. And Lord, I pray that you would free us of that. That we would just be able to throw ourselves into this with abandonment and just ignore convention or what is proper. Or thank you that you are not offended by our prayers. Thank you that there is no bad time, that every time is a good time. Thank you that this is based on sonship, and so it's not something that we have to earn or strive towards, but that, that you, you embrace and welcome and enjoy our prayers at all times. And, Lord, this week I pray that, that you would be reminding each of us to pray big prayers. Prayers that impact communities and nations and movements. Lord, prayers that impact others and not just ourselves. Lord, teach us to pray uninhibited before you. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.